0: Hello everyone and welcome to Ghost Turd Stories. I'm your host, Troy Gent. Ghost Turd Stories' mission is using humorous and challenging stories from veterans and first responders to reduce the burden of families whose veteran or first responder took their own life. Ghost Turd Stories' vision is to use humorous and challenging stories to prevent suicide within our ranks and reduce the burden of families whose veteran or first responder took their own life. We hope to attract veterans and first responders as well as those interested in knowing more about what it's like to be in our shoes while we wear or wore those shoes. At Ghost Turd Stories we tell and write the stories of veterans and first responders for their families and friends. We love storytelling and believe there is nothing more inspiring and nothing that gets people to take action like a great story. Families and friends want to know the sacrifices we made, the services we rendered, and the people we lifted so they can be inspired and learn about the legacy we left. Our podcast is the face of our company, but we want every family who cares to know about the experiences their veteran and or first responder went through for them. We interview veterans and first responders, collect pictures, write their stories, and compile them in a book for their families and friends to enjoy. Oftentimes, it's difficult for us to talk to our loved ones about what we did, saw, and heard while serving. At Ghost Turd Stories, we bridge the gap. For pricing, visit linktr.ee forward slash ghost turd stories and click on the second tab directly under the podcast link called Let Us Write Your Story. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash G-H-O-S-T-T-U-R-D-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. All right, welcome everybody to Ghost Turd Stories. Uh, My guest tonight is Matt Spencer. I served with him For about two years in 3rd Battalion, 7th Marines, but he spent 23 years in the Marine Corps and retired. Uh, welcome, Matt. Thanks, Troy. Yeah, so tell us, Matt, where you served, when you joined, when you got out, and uh, that kind of thing, and who you served with.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I started in 1992, started off in the Reserves, and uh, loved it so much that I tried to go active duty. I walked into the recruiting office again a second time, and uh, the recruiter was a career recruiter, so those guys are shady. <laughs> he was like, if you want to go on active duty, you need to prove yourself to the Marine Corps and become a recruiter first. You had done six years already? I did, too. I was a Lance Corporal. I walked in the recruiting office. I'm like, hey, I want to go active duty. So they had me working in the summer, got promoted to Corporal. Very quick because of that, got the recruiting points, and then uh, I was like, "Hey, I, I need to do this full time." So basically, ended up recruiting myself onto active duty, and then uh, at the time they were looking for counter intel people, and I was like, "Man, that sounds pretty cool." At the time, I was a sergeant, and uh, they were like, "Well, if you do that, we'll start you off as Lance Corporal." I'm like, "I'm not gonna go." From a sergeant down to <laughs> lance corporal again—that's not happening. Well, if you stay O three, we'll just take away you know a year and a half time in grade, and then you'll be starting off as a sergeant again.
0: So they can do that. They can demote you if you don't get in trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I had no MOS—they—they they, the way they classified it, no MOS credibility. So they wouldn't take a sergeant, but they would take a lance corporal because they would have to send me to school it all over again. That's why I stayed in the infantry.
0: So you went from Lance Corporal to Sergeant in recruiting duty?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, after I made the decision to stay 0311, I'm like, okay, I want to go to Camp Pendleton. And the 0311 monitor was like, well, we can send you to the West Coast, but uh, it'll be close to Pendleton. I'm like, all right, (laughs) fine. (laughs) So he sent me in the middle of the... 29 Palms, and that's where I met you. That's when you you. joined us, yeah.
0: Just so everybody knows, me and Chris Coates, who I've already interviewed on this podcast, and Matt, were the only Mormon boys in, I think, the company.
1: We had one other. I forget his name, though. I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, so after that, after uh, 3-7, you're doing those long hikes, 25 miles out in the middle of the desert, dealing with the heat dealing with Okinawa and the jungle, I was like, all right, I'm tired of this. I actually contemplated about going back on recruiting duty, which was crazy.
0: Because recruiting duty
1: is pretty brutal, right? Uh, it is. It's a career ender for a lot of people. And it's not the Marine Corps. It really isn't. So then at the time in 2000 and 2001, the career planner that we had was having a hard time meeting his retention goals. And the uh, the battalion commander came up to me in Okinawa. I was on duty that night. And he was like, hey, what's your history? I told him I was on recruiting duty. And he said, you know what? I I might need your help. I need you in the career planner's office. I said, okay. So I started working with the career planner and started helping him out. And I was like, hey, this is not recruiting duty. But it's probably the next best thing as far as staying in the actual Marine Corps and... Getting out of O3. Getting out of O3. <laughs> yeah, I moved into career planning. It was transitioning from a B-billet to an actual MOS. Uh, I made a name for myself. A lot of high people noticed the work I was doing, and they actually planned my career when I was in Iraq. Didn't even know these people. They just knew my name. And uh, was the first career planner to go to Iraq after convincing... My new commander to take me because when they told me they, they were going, they were like, uh, We're probably going to leave you behind. I'm like, Why would you do that? <laughs> it was an air wing unit. I was the only 0311 in the unit or who had grunt experience. You guys are going to war and you're not going to take your prior 0311 guy? It doesn't make sense. So they were like, Yeah, you got a good point. Yeah, you could teach us some stuff. So they made me the platoon sergeant.
0: (laughs) So you were were going to teach them a little infantry stuff.
1: Yeah. They actually took some fire. And uh, I just did, you know, squad rushes. And, you know, I'm up, I'm down. They see me, bang, bang, bang. I was the only uh, career planner within our camp. It was Camp Ryan at the time. We actually had to set the camp up, set up the tents. We were the first unit there. And then the other units joined us like a couple weeks later. It was Task Force Tarwa. There were a total of like five units there. I was the only career planner. And I was pretty busy. And at the time, they were giving out tons of bonuses because it was a combat zone. Everybody got tax-free. After that, got promoted to Staff Sergeant. Moved up to the Marine Air Control Group. And went on a second deployment to Iraq and then uh, they were like hey yeah we're we're gonna keep you here after your seven months because we see no reason for you to go back I'm like well here's the thing you got a sergeant who wants to come and replace me she hasn't been to the combat zone she's trying to get promoted and uh, you're not giving her the opportunity to show what she can do so my executive officer uh, lieutenant colonel said, uh, you should probably call your monitor. Called the monitor. I had orders within a week, and that's when they sent me to uh, Marine Corps Air Station, Miramar. As a newly promoted gunny, they had me in charge of the entire 3rd Marine Air Wing. There was a guy over me. He was a master sergeant. But like I said, I was making a name for myself, and there were people I didn't know who were planning my career. They were like, I requested to go to Yuma, which is a small base in Arizona. They're like, we have other plans for you. We're going to send you to Mecourt Air Station Miramar as a newly promoted gunny because the master sergeant that's there is, uh, let's just say he needs some guidance. <laughs> I'm like, you, you're basically you're telling me you want me in charge of the master sergeant. They're like, yes.
0: So this is, this is still a pretty new uh, MOS.
1: It is, yeah and yeah they didn't have any faith in this guy so
0: they probably threw that master sergeant in a thing that he was like what am i doing here
1: he was on recruiting duty too and i think uh, that's okay. why that's what helped him get into the mos because they were all looking for prior recruiters so I spent a year and a half there at miramar and then uh finally made it this was 2005 2006, then seven finally made it to camp pendleton in 2007. So about 10 years after I requested to go to Pendleton, I finally made it there. (laughs) And then after that, I just, you know, from Camp Pendleton, I went to Okinawa, uh, spent two years there, went back to Pendleton, and uh, retired out of Marine Corps Installations West in 2015 after 23 years.
0: So you deployed to Iraq twice?
1: Yep. Okay.
0: And Okinawa once. So you did three deployments?
1: Uh, Okinawa was a permanent station. That's right. You did it twice. We did the two deployments with 3-7, you know, the UDP deployments.
0: Were you in both of those? Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were.
1: Yeah, because the first time we were in the India company together, and then the second time I was in the company office and you were in in S-3. That's right.
0: As far as memorable, funny things that happened, what uh, what are some of the, the
1: things that you can remember? Uh... You know, most of the stuff I remember that were funny happened in the infantry. Uh but it just it popped in my mind today that a recruiting story. We had this this older girl that wanted to join. She was 27 at the time. Boot camp was 13 weeks at the time. She made it through 11 weeks of boot camp and she couldn't help herself. She wrote a love a love letter to her drill instructor. <laughs> I actually went to high school with her drill instructor. Oh, man. <laughs>
0: yeah, he didn't know this was going to happen?
1: She she didn't know. Yeah. She didn't know it was going to happen. And uh, 11 weeks in, she was like, uh, Staff Sergeant, I, I forget her name. But anyway, Staff Sergeant, drill instructor, so-and-so, I, I think you're so beautiful, and I'm in love with you. So <laughs> two weeks before graduation, they sent her home. And I'm like, oh, no, what you, you couldn't wait two more weeks? Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I guess he probably didn't really respond as far as the way she wanted. Or like you say, she, you couldn't wait two weeks. Do you think he would he be reciprocated that?
1: No, this is in the 90s. So Bill Clinton had revoked. He instilled the, the don't ask, don't tell policy. But, you know, after somebody re- says, you know, I'm in love oh with you. Oh, my gosh. I didn't her connect that. It was a yeah, female on a female. It was a female. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, telling her her drill instructor she was in love with her. As soon as that happened, they they had to kick her out.
0: I never got a full story on that. If you leave the Marine Corps in a situation where you kind of just get dropped in within the first six months, are you... Is it like you never really went in? I mean, how does that all work?
1: It's changed over the years. I've looked it up a bunch of times. I think you have to serve 90 days to get that veteran status. So if, if, if it's before 90 days, it's like you never were there. Okay, yeah.
0: I've been using isogenics since 2017. These products have made a world of difference in my quality of life, health energy, muscle definition, strength and endurance. My bread and butter products have been the Daily Essentials multivitamins with Isogenesis, which is a telomere support supplement, the Isoline meal replacement shake, the Tri-Release Protein Shake, the Collagen, the Green Drink and the Cleanse for Life support system. However, Isogenics has many products and can cater to your unique lifestyle and goals. Click the link in the show notes or visit nmp.isogenics.com. Besides just using the products, there is an option to partner with me and the company to build your own business with no capital up front. You can do as little as pay for your products and as much as making a full-time income. I love these products and will use them the rest of my life. For more information, you can email me at GhostTurdStories at gmail
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Here's another thing. When I was in the reserves, uh, we had this guy that was. He wasn't like the greatest looking guy, and yeah, I don't know. You've seen this too. You get these guys that they're like maybe a, a four or five on a good looking scale, and they show up at the Marine Corps ball with these like nine or ten girls really like super supermodels. like what are you doing with this guy and, and this guy he was so funny we we asked her we asked his girlfriend we we're like what are you doing with adrian and uh she's like he makes me laugh <laughs> we're like, oh, yeah he makes us laugh too You <laughs> remember that time I uh, it was the first deployment to okinawa we were repelling and uh, Captain Trap got dropped. Oh, jeez, I don't know. I think I do remember that. Canis was on belay, and Canis dropped him, and he bounced. It's only funny now because Captain Trap was a big guy, and he didn't get hurt. Yeah. You know, obviously, it wouldn't be as funny if he did get hurt. But <laughs> and then Canis was like, "I'm going to be a Navy Seal." <laughs> 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 What are you talking about? You're gonna be a Navy SEAL. You just dropped the company commander on the ground.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, he was told to go get a pap smear when he was a boot, and he says, "Oh, okay." So he walks down to to medical, <laughs> and he says, "I was told I need to get a pap smear," and uh,
1: they're like, "Go, go back to your barracks, man." <laughs> And then uh, we were doing a range 400 one time, and it was like 120 degrees in the middle of July. Colonel Bennett comes walking by, sees a bunch of guys, you know, just lounging around like you always do when they're in downtime. It's hot. Guys want to take a break. They just ran range 400. And he's like, what are you guys having, a uh, little siesta? <laughs> And these guys didn't know. They didn't know if it was fiesta or siesta. They didn't know Spanish. So they were like, yes, sir. Yeah, we're having a party. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Colonel Bennett goes over to the company gunny. I forget who it was at the time. And he's like, what, these guys having a little siesta? And he's like, oh, no, sir. No, no, these guys aren't going to sleep. Uh, he's like, well... It looks like they are. (laughs) Company Company Gunny comes over and says, So, you guys having a siesta? They're like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he's like, and somebody who spoke Spanish was like, No, we're not. (laughs) Was that Gunny Mayor? Yeah, it might have been Gunny Mayor at the time. So then after that, yeah, Colonel Bennett was like, Oh, we need to have hip pocket classes. These guys can't sleep during the middle of the day. The only crazy stories we had, I have, outside of the infantry is, you know, we had, like, a gunny that worked at the commissary as a part-time job, which ended up becoming his full-time job because his OIC didn't care. So he was working at the commissary full-time when he should have been actually doing Marine Corps stuff. Oh, so he was...
0: Taking what should have been Marine Corps time and working at the...
1: Yeah, for like two years.
0: Two years. Jeez.
1: Yeah. And then we had another guy that was, uh, he was actually from the infantry unit. I think 5th Marines. He was fapped out over to the MEF. Nobody told him what he should be doing for work. He was supposed to be with with the G3 at the time. And uh, nobody checked on him. So he went surfing every day. (laughs) How long did that last? (laughs) Uh, It lasted a while. It was a one-year fap. He did it for six months. And then finally, I think somebody caught him during an inspection. They were like, What do you do? He's like, Oh, nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> I go surfing every day.
0: Some of that time in the, in the Marines is, I mean, when we're in the field, it's just 24 7 almost. But, but sometimes in the barracks, I mean, for weeks at a time,
1: sometimes, it's like, What are we doing here? I think there wasn't any. Oh, in the formations how many times do we have a formation like six times a day formation for pt formation after pt oh let's have another formation when i was in the company office somebody asked if the site count was up and they kept calling me is the site count up is the site count up oh because they're trying to get a limbo yeah they're trying to get you know it's a friday and they're trying to get out of there i'm like yeah the site counts up nobody had told me the company commander one of the last ones we had, he he wanted a formation before letting everybody go. <laughs> and I had already secured the company. I'm like, yeah, go. <laughs> go on Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Gunny Burns was like, you can't do that. You're going to get him fired. You should be NJP'd. I'm like, whatever. The site count's been up for like an hour. What was your favorite rank, do you think? Somebody told me there were two ranks. On the enlisted side, that were the best. And they always said it was corporal and gunny. I wouldn't agree too much with corporal, but I would agree with sergeant because you you do have enough power as a sergeant, but you can still get away with saying I didn't know any better. But gunny, as a gunny, I uh, had had a lot of a lot of responsibility, and everybody listened. So I think gunny would be the best one.
0: Yeah. You had two deployments to Iraq. What were your duties there? I mean, you were
1: a career planner, but... As a career planner, they always think you're going to be underutilized. So they stack on all kinds of additional duties. So the first time I was a platoon sergeant, you know, I had the O3 background to to help with that. So they made me platoon sergeant. They made me uh, information security officer, making sure, you know, nobody wrote back you know, any movement plans or anything to the loved ones on emails or whatever. And then they were like, oh, by the way, you're also uh, the Sergeant Major's bodyguard. <laughs> so I had to follow Sergeant Major around.
0: What does a platoon look like in career planning? What did your platoon look like in, on deployment?
1: At the time, I was with uh, Marine Air Support Squadron 1. And basically, they're a unit that they control the airspace as far as, you know, when you have helo pilots or drone pilots they're in control of the airspace and they could tell the pilots where to go which route to take and all that and they also look out for um surface air missiles and all that stuff my platoon was basically a bunch of admin guys and then some other direct air support guys that would basically just fall in there if we had Corman the corpsmen would be in there as well Okay, so what was your position in uh, on the battlefield? I actually didn't have one. They said uh, Sergeant Spencer, you're staying here, so I stayed back in the rear, even though I was in Iraq. So you're in Iraq. In Iraq, in the tent, and everybody else went that way. Yeah. So I was kind of kind of upset about it, but
0: so as a platoon sergeant, you just never went outside the wire, really.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: But your squads did. Yep. Okay. So they would go outside the wire and, and control airspace?
1: Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay.
0: Just on regular vehicle patrols typically? or
1: Humvees. Yeah, and we weren't there that long. We were the only there for like two or three months.
0: Did you do this, the same
1: thing the second time? Second time we stayed at Al Asad Air Base, which is actually still there. And my role there was, it was really boring. I was the education officer, so... I mean, it was low-key. By this time, it was 2000 and 2005. So two years after the initial push into Iraq. Most of the bases are fortified now. You know, you got your sentries and concertina wire, and everything's built up. And uh, everybody's getting comfortable at that time, two years later. So most of our people were taking college classes. We had an education center. And... uh yeah, as the education officer, I was just like, "Okay, who wants to sign up for college classes?" And I was just signing people up for that, handing out the free tax-free bonuses to everybody who rated them.
0: What was the biggest bonuses getting handed out?
1: Oh, eighty thousand. Eighty thousand
0: for like lance
1: corporal through gunny, or what was the? Usually a sergeant would get the eighty thousand, but I had a couple of staff and CEOs that got eighty thousand. Tax-free. Yep.
0: Nice. Did you ever see any Marines in Iraq on post pulling any crap that got him in trouble or anything? Or Not
1: really. No, I mean, they were like paralegal Marines and he was dating them two at a time. <laughs> and they were like, oh, by the way, we're not have, supposed to have sex in a combat zone. <laughs> He's like, oh, we can get in trouble for this? <laughs>
0: So they didn't mind two at a time?
1: No, they didn't care. It was their idea. And he was just, he was having a good time.
0: Yeah, I heard some crazy stories overnight. Afghanistan, people making $50,000 a year doing that.
1: We had somebody that did 10 because customs would let them come back with 10,000. But anything over 10,000, you couldn't do it. And then we had, oh, here's another story. Because it was the initial push of Iraq, everybody was like trying to get over there. And we had majors and lieutenant colonels from the reserves that took private flights to get there. And they were like, hey, can I join your unit?
0: Holy cow. And we really? were like,
1: no, you can't. What are you talking about? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> so then they would call back to Washington, D.C. and have uh, have somebody join the unit. They are like, yeah, we can do that. You're now part of the unit. It was crazy.
0: I heard during the initial push, there was just so many things going on that just weren't per Marine Corps. I guess what would you call it? Uh, regulations. regulations, maybe. Yeah. When I was in Twenty Nine Palms the second time as a as an officer, church ward I was in out there, they had a guy that was the elders' corps and president who I think he retired as a master sergeant, but he was he was an S one, so dealt with finances. Basically, they gave him a suitcase of money wherever he went. His job was basically just to pay people off for damages and this kind of thing. Is they,
1: I heard about that.
0: Yeah. He said they had this guy. He retired as a gunnery sergeant before the war. And then when the war started, he's like, I got to join again. I got to go fight. I got to go fight in this war. And the time between him getting out and the time he wanted to rejoin was so far that they said, we have to we have to put you back in as a Lance Corporal. <laughs> and he's like, I don't care. I just want to go fight, right? So when he got over there, they didn't know what to do with him because oh, he was man. a gunnery sergeant but a Lance Corporal, and he says, I'm calling myself Lance Gunny. And so... <laughs> So what he did, he ripped off the three Rikers, two Rikers up and left the three Rikers down. (laughs) So it looked like a Lance Gunny. (laughs) And they gave him, they says, we don't know what to do with this guy. They gave him to my elders quorum president. And he's like, he's like, here, I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. And he says, well... When it's just me and you, I'll call you, I don't know, maybe his name was John or something. We'll, we'll, go, by, <laughs> we'll go first name basis, right? Because they're basically equals, right? Yeah. But when, in front of everybody else, I got to call, you got to call me, you know, Master Sergeant or whatever. And he's like, he's like, okay, okay. So he says, that guy just stayed on my right hand through the whole push, man. He says, we had so much fun together. But people, <laughs> people, people would look at his rank on his collar and they they would be like, "What? What's going on here?" And, <laughs> and my master sergeant friend would say, "Don't worry about it." Just
1: <laughs> Oh jeez. Did he stay in or did he get EAS after that? He was just there for the initial invasion and then I'm uh, just wondering what his paperwork looked like. Yeah, i we to be discharged as Lance Corporal Gutting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I heard I heard other stories too about just like we're pushing and jump in if you want to go, kind of a thing. Like a lot of that yeah. going on. You and know? then
1: the army raised their age limit to like sixty-five. So you see these sixty-five-year-old stick <laughs> right. fours.
0: That's like, right. What the
1: heck? What are you doing here, grandpa? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy.
0: Whoever wants to fight, just come join us. We got to put a rank on your shoulder, though, you know. Some of these videos coming back from Ukraine and stuff. These Americans, they go over there, you know, and they just like, just put me in your Humvee and they got him in the turret and everything, and um, yeah, they just want to fight with the Ukrainians. I wonder if any, anything's going on like that right now with the Israelis, but gee, I don't know. Well, Matt, I appreciate you being on here. I really, really grateful. And uh, any any last words you want to share with us? Or...
1: No, thanks for having me on. Okay
0: thank you for listening please tell your friends and family so that we can bring more joy and awareness to those struggling with suicide ideation and the families who desperately need help after the loss of someone they love to suicide